everybody. This is Jennifer Strickland, your host of the I Am A Woman podcast. I'm sure many of you remember very well, as I do, the Senate confirmation hearings in 2022 when the senator asked the judge, who was the first Black female Supreme Court nominee, he said to her, what is a woman? The senator asked her this question, and this amazing, gifted, talented, very, very accomplished woman who had ascended to be a nominee for the Supreme Court as the first Black woman. That's pretty incredible, right? He says to her, what is a woman? And she even though she knows what a woman is, obviously, because she is one, and her sisters are women, and her mother's woman, and all of that, she wouldn't answer the question. And I'm not really sure why. It's not mine to judge. But what she said to him was, I can't answer that. I'm not a biologist. And that really rang around the world. And I am so grateful for that conversation because it really made me think to myself, where have we gotten off? Like, where did we go awry when it comes to defining womanhood? And why is it that an accomplished woman in one of the highest offices of the land says, I can't do that? I can't define the word woman. You know, the other day, I was uh, in the mall and I walked by Victoria's Secret. And you know, I've always been on I've always been hard on Victoria's Secret as a former model. I have always dug on them. So this is nothing new. <laughs> but I see there's this picture in the window of a woman and the title over her body, which is barely dressed, says undefinable. Undefinable. You know, the uh, latest person to buy the Miss Universe pageant is actually a man. <laughs> it's actually a man. He's what they call a transgender woman. So that you're using feminine pronouns and all of that to talk about him. But he's a biological man. And they're saying this is so exciting that the first woman has purchased the Miss Universe pageant. But it's actually a man. Okay. And so we have women now competing in beauty pageants uh, with biological men. There was one recently where the, the, the man won. He was an overweight man. Uh, an overweight woman would not win, would not win a beauty pageant, but an overweight man won, won a beauty pageant. It's getting really confusing. And if you know anything about my ministry, you know that I'm very passionate about women's issues. I love to go and speak in the prisons, and that's an issue as well. Because we have decided that men can identify as women, we have, by, by really just their feelings in some cases, in some states, we now have biological men in women's prisons. A few of them, I know in New Jersey, got pregnant. I know that, that some have been sexually assaulted. I know that some of these men have been violent criminal offenders that have abused women and children and are in prison for life. And then they're put in the women's prison. And that makes those women very, very vulnerable. We also have them um, in our sports, in our bathrooms. Okay. Okay. 
hold on, hold on. We just need to step back for just a moment. We need to remember who we are. We need to answer the question, what is a woman? And there is a spiritual principle in the Bible called remembering. It's one of uh, many spiritual principles, but it's one that God emphasizes over and over and over. The Hebrew word for remembering is zakar, okay? And zakar is not just remember, it's go back and remember so that you can go forward with your remembering. It means to go back and to recount and to recall and to bring to mind so that you can go forward. So it has this sort of backward and forward motion in it, okay? So when God puts the rainbow in the clouds, He says, remember, whenever you see that rainbow, you remember the covenant, the promise that I made between me, God, and every animal and human being on the earth. He says, remember that you are my rock and my redeemer. Remember the covenant that I made with you. Remember my promises. So the principle of Zakar, remember the Sabbath, right, is something that we are supposed to do on a continual basis. I am very concerned. I was very concerned personally when we took the Ten Commandments off the wall because by in in public schools, because when we did that, we no longer wanted the children to remember the commands of God. Okay, and it is so important to the Lord that we remember who He is and what He says so that we can act on it. So when we see this confusion in the culture that womanhood is now is somehow undefinable, that doesn't ring true with me. That doesn't ring true with me at all. And so what happened for me is I decided to go back to the beginning. And that's one of the beautiful things about the Word of God. It, it, it divides between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It divides between man and woman, male and female, man and wife, father and mother. It will show us, and this is the power, <laughs> this is the power of the Word of God. And let me just say this about you non-religious people who are listening to me. I have great news for you today. I am going to be sharing in this series things that I have never heard from a pulpit, never heard at a marriage conference, never heard at a women's retreat. Why? Because I'm not just looking at the NIV version of Genesis. I'm going all the way back to the beginning of the original Hebrew language, okay, that the book of Genesis was written in. So let me let me just say something about Hebrew and then and then we're going to we're going to talk about this for a second because what we are going to do with this podcast what we are going to do is remember who we are. We are not undefinable. And if the woman in the highest court of the land cannot define what a woman is, the, then we better know. We better redefine it. Otherwise, we are going to continue to have children growing up in this culture who have no idea, 
no idea what it is to be a woman. No idea what it is to be a man or male or female. So when it comes to Hebrew, let me just say this. I'm not a I'm not a Hebrew scholar by any chance. I'm just a Bible girl and the word of God just breathes life into me and it teaches me things that I never knew before. This book, the book of Genesis, that starts in these in these with these words, in the beginning. Okay, this was written by Moses. It was not written by Moses in English, in Greek, in Hebrew, today's Hebrew language. It was written in ancient Hebrew. So there's today's Hebrew, the modern Hebrew. There's the Paleo Hebrew, which is the Middle Hebrew. And then there's the Pictographic Hebrew. Okay, the Pictographic Hebrew, I want you to imagine cavemen. I want you to imagine scrolls. I want you to imagine the very first words ever penned about woman in the history of the world on the scrolls by Moses, starting with Genesis in the beginning, in the beginning. Okay. Now, let me say this. Hebrew is a language that has masculine and femininity, if masculinity and femininity in it. It is not just masculine and feminine pronouns like it is in English. It is masculine and feminine words, and it is masculine and feminine verbs. It is an action-oriented language. In other words, what when I would say, what is a woman? In English, woman is a noun. Okay. I also uh, have a master's degree in writing and literature and I taught English. Okay. So this is where my little English teacher is going to come out with you guys. But in, in English, woman is a noun. Okay. In Hebrew, it's a verb. It's an action. It has purpose. It has function. Let me put it this way. If the if a word is H2O, like water, it's water. It's H2O. It's a thing. In Hebrew, it is flowing water. It is moving water. There is movement in the words. So there is movement in the word woman. It is not undefinable. So Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created. So this is the very beginning. The first thing that God tells us about himself is that he is the creator. Who is God? What does he do? Create. That's what he does. And we are made in his image, which is why we are creating. We're creating this podcast. We're creating this flower arrangement. We're creating decor. We're creating films. We're creating books. We are made in his image. And so we do what he does. He creates. So in the beginning, God created. Let me say something about the word God. That word God is masculine in the Hebrew. Okay, it's a masculine name. Now watch what happens. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Spirit is feminine. Okay, that word spirit is a feminine word. And what it means is breath. It means life. It means activity. It means movement. I think about my son. He would always say when he went to college, he's like, I just remember, mom, you were always moving. <laughs> you were always, you were always on your feet, right? The spirit is moving. And actually that word hovering is like the, is like a hummingbird's wings. 
It's a furious flapping of wings that shows intense movement. So in the beginning, the world was formless and void, and the spirit began began hovering and moving over the surface of the deep, and that spirit, that word is feminine. It's not male or female. God is not male or female, but they just happen to be masculine and feminine words. God, masculine, spirit, feminine. Then God speaks, the word of God comes out. If you know the word, if you know the Bible very well, you know the word is Jesus. So they're all there in the beginning. Okay. So God says, let there be light. And we're going to talk about, about a little more in Genesis later on. But let me just explain that in the beginning, what he does is he takes what is one, he turns it into two, and then he turns it into one again. And that is the pattern you see in the creation. You see that there that, that first he separates, he takes what is one, he separates light from darkness. And then he calls light day and darkness night, right? And then there's evening in the first day, and now it's back one. And he goes on, and he says there's going to be an expanse between the waters, and he's going to call that sky. He's going to say, the, let the water be gathered to the one place and let dry ground appear. And he sees that it is good when everything is separate and then brought back together. So he takes what is one, he makes it into two, and then he calls it one. And then he says it's good. That's really important when you look at male and female. Okay. When we get to Genesis 1.27, we see the first mention of the creation of man, right? Let us create. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. And then in the second account of Genesis, we get something a lot deeper. And I'm going to talk about male and female, what it is to be male and female. But first, I want to talk about the substance from which woman was born. Where did woman come from? Okay, let me just say this. First of all, did you know that that the Hebrew account of the creation of the world is the only one that included the creation of woman? Did you know that? Did you know that there are lots of creation accounts from ancient cultures and not a single one mentions the creation of woman? But in Genesis, the creation of woman is the penultimate act of all creation. It is his greatest accomplishment. It is his final work. It is the icing on the cake, okay? It is the top. The, it's when you, like, I'm a pasta maker. It's like I do this whole creation, and at the very end, I sprinkle the fresh Parmesan cheese on top. It's better than that. It's better than the icing. It's the crowning accomplishment accomplishment, which we can't even quite fathom the idea that he put the sun, the moon, the stars, the sky, the land, the animals, the sea, and everything in it. And then what did he do? He created mankind. He didn't create man. He created mankind. And, you know, for all you people out there that really believe in the non-binary identity, this is the only place I see it. It's not that it's not male nor female, it's it's both. Mankind in the beginning was one human being, one human being. And what goes on between God and the human being, mankind, Adam, is all the same word, means mankind, 
is that he goes, you know what? I put this tree in the garden. I put all of this fruit, all of this food, all of this thing. He's created the whole garden. He's created all of the animals. And he says to mankind, he says, you're free. You're free to eat from any of the trees in the garden. You can do whatever you want there, except that one won't lead to abundance. That one will bring suffering. Don't don't eat from that one, okay? It's kind of like when you tell your little boy, don't eat from that candy jar, okay? And he's going to go eat it for the candy jar. But as soon as God says, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Right after that, we have the creation of woman. Why would that be? A lot of people start analyzing the creation of women at this point, but you have to look at all creation. You have to look at the point that God just gave mankind a command. As soon as he gives mankind a command, he gives him a warning. You can have abundance or you can have struggle. I'm going to let you choose. I'm going to give you the freedom to choose, but don't eat from that one because that one's going to lead to pain. As soon as he gives gives mankind a command, what happens? God says, okay, it's not good for him to be alone. It's not good for him to be alone. Why? What happens when you're alone? You're given to temptation. What happens when you have no accountability? You're given to temptation, right? It's not good. Loneliness is not good. We're created for, for community. And so at that point, he says he needs what has been interpreted, okay, by the patriarchal interpreter Bible people as a very poor translation right here. He needs a helper suitable to him. Okay. What does that mean? Because really, it sounds like he needs an assistant. It sounds like he needs like some like a maid, okay, which, you know, they do, but at the same time, he says, I, there is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now, at this point, the Lord had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field, all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man. So then he takes all of the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and he knows something that Adam doesn't know. He knows that he's not going to be able to fulfill the command to resist the tree without a helper, without someone to keep him accountable, without someone to walk beside him, without someone to protect him and to remind him that his role in the earth is to remember the commands of God. He's not going to be able to resist that tree without somebody alongside of him. So he has this parade. (laughs) He brings all the animals out. He brings all the fish out, the birds out. And he's like, he has them all parade in front of Adam. He names all of them. But then he says, hey, there's still no suitable helper. There's no person um, that will fulfill my needs. And so he causes the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he's sleeping, he takes one of the man's ribs and closes it up with a place of flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. And the man says, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my set flesh. So he created man from the dirt. He created woman from the rib. What is the rib? 
What is the rib? First of all, I just want you to think about a rib, ribs. What does the rib do? Number one, the rib protects your heart. The rib protects your lungs. The rib protects your internal organs. The rib is made of bone, which is strong, but on the inside and the very center part of the rib is the marrow, which is where the life is. If you look at this word rib in the ancient pictographic Hebrew, excuse me, in the, in the very original language, it has three letters. And I'm going to, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see these three letters. The first letter is an eye, like an eyeball. It looks like an eyeball. It means one who can observe, see, experience, watch, know. It means one who can see ahead where maybe he can't see. Someone who will know him because he looks at all the beasts, he looks at all the animals, and he's like, none of them are going to be able to know me. God did not create woman from his head to be over him. He didn't create him from his foot to be under him. In fact, even if you amputated the feet and the arms of a human being, they could live, but they couldn't live without the rib. The rib is the structure. The rib is the life. The rib protects and upholds. And so the second letter in the word rib, so the first one is I, which means like an eyeball, to see, perceive, experience, watch, know. The second letter in the ancient Hebrew is a shepherd's staff. It means like a shepherd. So what did God do? He took from Adam the part that would shepherd him, the part that would guide him, the part that would bind him, the part that would see, the part that would know. And then the last, the last letter in the word rib is um, called sod, and it means man on a trail. And it also can mean one who's on a journey, a hunt, a desire, or a need. He took from the man the part of him that needs, the part of him that desires, the part of him that shepherds, that guides, that protects, and that knows what he's going to need. And this is, this is the part that we have missed when we are interpreting what the Bible says about woman is that she was created from man by his side to see him, to know him, to perceive him. And by the way, not just man, but mankind. She was created to shepherd him, to guide him, to protect him to be a shield around him, and to help him to obey the commands of God, which is why when we get everything all mixed up, 
when we begin to say that a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man, we miss all of the meaning in what we are created to do. We are created from the strong yet soft side of Adam. We are created to see him, to know him, to perceive him to shepherd him, to guide him, to warn him when he decides to go and follow and go and eat. There's a reason why the devil went after Eve. He knew that she was his protection. (laughs) She knew that she knew him best. He knew that the devil knew that Eve knew him best. And he knew how to get to Adam by going through the woman, by going through Eve. And so that's what we're going to talk about on this series. We're going to get back to understanding who exactly we are. We are made from the substance of man to be his companion, to be his friend, not to be his enemy, to be in a way a spiritual guide. And you're going to see that as we go along. And so I just want to come back to where we started today. And and I just want to challenge you is that when you see these things, let's say lately we've seen Ulta on, on the screen, the Ulta cosmetics that have these men who are dressed up as women talking about what it is to be a woman. They can't do it. They can't do it. They can try. They can pretend They can long for that, but it is only a woman who is made from the rib of man. It is really only a woman who can protect his heart, his lungs, his internal organs, and hold him up the way that a woman can. That is our calling. That is our substance. That is our assignment in the earth, and we're going to get back to it. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm super excited to get deeper into what it is to be male and female in the next one. And I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you have, please subscribe uh, and please make a comment or a review if you have a moment. I am a woman and my name means life. Life.